Pastor George here. I wanted to take a second and thank you for checking out our online messages. Our prayer is that this resource will challenge you, encourage you, and empower you as you uh, dig deeper in your relationship with Christ. But in no way will it replace God's plan for your active involvement in a local church. I do want to take a second and ask you to uh, prayerfully consider as you participate and listen to this resource, partnering with Revive as we uh, pursue our mission of seeing people live their fullest life in Christ. You can do this by going online to revivechurchga.com backslash give and making a one-time donation or setting up a recurring gift. It's through the generosity of others that we're able to provide um, a resource like this one. With that being said, uh, I do want to thank you again, and here is today's message. your Bibles, uh, you can go ahead and turn to Acts chapter see, 1. And I know you said, well, we're still in the series called The Chase, and we've been looking at David's life. Why are we in Acts? Here's the deal. This is the last week of this series, so we're still going to be looking at David's life, but it's kind of going to be an overview, going back and hitting on some of the points and some of the stories that we've already talked about up to this point. But that we're really going to be focusing on, on a, a principle that jumps out in this passage that I think also points to David's heart and why, even though he was a flawed man, that he was a, uh, a man after God's own heart because of this, this one principle that I want to look at today. And I think that um, you would all agree with me in, in saying that faithfulness is a good thing to have, right? To be a faith... Now, I don't think I have to work hard to convince you of that. Um, let me just put it this way. How many people in this room uh, would love to have an extremely attractive, an extremely good-looking, wealthy, well-rounded, good personality, cheating spouse? Raise your hand. Right, okay, no, nobody's raising their hand, right? So, so it doesn't matter. You can, have all, you can check all the boxes, but that one little detail of cheating erases all of it, right? So what does that have to do with, with our walk with Christ and, and having a heart after God and, and being like uh, David in that aspect? And it's arguably one of the uh, most important things, one of the most important traits that we can develop as a Christian uh, to, to just, um, and the, the goal from today's message is not that you would be feel guilty, but that it would and challenge you and encourage you to remain loyal, to remain steadfast, to remain faithful in our walk with Christ, realizing that there's ups and downs, realizing that there's hard times and easier times, but knowing that through it all, if we can remain faithful, we can continue to chase after God, not because he's running from us, but because that pursuit, while he is pursuing us, it equals the, the abundant life that he's called us to. Uh, one of the there's a, um, a story about John Wesley, which if you don't know who John Wesley is, he's kind of the uh, person that the Methodist denomination and, the, and, and going on from there kind of, he didn't found it because he was Anglican, but they followed his teaching. So if you believe in free will, your 
been shaped a little bit by John Wesley, believe it or not. So John Wesley, uh, a lady comes up to him and asks him, suppose you were to know that you would die at midnight tomorrow night. How would you spend the evening, the intervening time? And he replied with this, well, ma'am, just as I intend to spend it now, I would preach this evening and again at five tomorrow morning. I didn't even know there was two five o'clocks in one day, but John Wesley did. Right? <laughs> at five tomorrow morning. After that, I will ride to Tewksbury, preach in the afternoon, and meet the societies in the evening. And I would go to Reverend Martin's house, who is expecting to entertain me, talk and pray with his family as usual, retire to my room at 10 o'clock, commend myself to my Heavenly Father, lie down to rest, and wake up in glory. John Wesley saying, here's the deal. My life is devoted to faithfulness. That if I were to know that tomorrow night I would meet my maker, I wouldn't change anything about that my next day and a half. I don't know about you, but I can't say that. <laughs> if, I, if I honestly sit back and say, man, if I knew not just that I was going to die, but if I knew that I was going to be face to face with Jesus tomorrow night at midnight, the way I live out the rest of today and tomorrow would change completely, right? And I say that not to scare you into faithfulness because that's not God's heart. He's not lording over you, wanting to scare you into obeying him and following him, but he's a heavenly father and he's got this plan for you. We've talked about how, how we all have a calling, what, no matter what it is, whether it's uh, to be a, in the workforce or for whatever, whatever the calling is in your life, God's placed, placed it before you. And the way we chase that is a faithful life to him. And God's saying, hey, when you obey me, when you, when you study my word, when you stay in prayer, when you live this faithful life, Life, never wavering. That's how you walk in that calling. That's how you walk in that life. That even when it gets hard, even when it doesn't make sense, even when you have questions, you stay faithful. Faithfulness is vital. If, you, if you've turned to Acts, I'm going to start reading in Acts chapter 1, uh, verse 15. And like I was saying earlier, this is where the, the apostles are gathered in the upper room. Jesus has ascended into heaven and they're, they're praying and waiting on this comforter. They're waiting on this, this one that Jesus said would come. And in those days, verse 15, it says, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David. Hey, there's David. Concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. So you see, there's Judas, and he's betrayed Jesus. He is now purchased a field, gone out. There's some pretty gory details. I'll let you read that, right? Even though we're in the New Testament, I, I don't know, okay? So there's some pretty gory details. He goes out, takes his own life, and nobody's ever allowed to be in that field again. And then Peter continues talking. He says, for Peter said, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in it. That's talking about the field. And they said, but then there's another step. Then there's something else about that. And it says, may another take his place of leadership. So Judas is gone. Now there's 11 and they need to replace it. They need a 12th person, right? So therefore it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time. Everybody say the whole time. The whole time. Good job. The Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must be a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph and Barnabas and Barasabas, okay, and Matthias. Then they prayed, the Lord, you know everyone's heart, 
Show us which of these men that you have chosen to take over the apostolic ministry which Judas has left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, which is a way of, of almost rolling dice and letting God direct where they go. And so, and the lot fell on Matthias. So he was added to even to the 11 apostles. So you've got this story, right? And they're replacing the man to take Judas's place. And what's the requirement? What's the requirement? That he was there the whole time. It doesn't matter what his job is. It doesn't matter uh, what his educational background is. It doesn't matter what his gifting is. It doesn't matter what family he comes from. It doesn't matter what, how much money he has. It doesn't matter what his skills are. All that matters is that he was faithful from Jesus's baptism all the way to where they are now when Jesus is ascended in there in the upper room. Who is one of these people that have been there from the beginning, been there when the heavens opened up and the Holy Spirit came down on it like a dove on Jesus? Who was there when Jesus had the hard teaching about you? You have to, there's a, there's a time in, in John 6, 6, 6. I don't, uh, that's just where it's at, okay? And it says that Jesus has a hard teaching of you gotta eat my flesh and drink my blood. And it says that many people walked away Many, it was a hard teaching. They didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. And so many people that were disciples of Jesus following him, originally part of this 120 that are here, they walk away. And even in that hard teaching, even when that didn't make sense, you know who stuck around? You know who was still there? Matthias. He was still faithful. Even even when he wasn't one of the 12, right? One of those people in the inside circle, he was faithful to Jesus. Imagine this isn't how it played out, but imagine Jesus is reading like alphabetical order. Who's the 12 apostles, right? He gets to Matthew and skips over Matthias, right? He's not one of those 12. That would be, have you ever been looked over in your life? Have you ever felt like somebody just looked over you, didn't care about who you were? Imagine how that would make Matthias want to leave, but he doesn't. He sticks around. Matthias stays there. He's faithful no matter what goes on. He's faithful when Jesus dies on the cross. He's faithful when when Peter denies Jesus. He's faithful. He sticks around. And that's the one requirement to replace Judas. In 1 Corinthians 4.12, Paul says this. He says, this is how we, this is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. So if you call yourself a Christian, this is how people should regard you. That moreover, it is required of stewards, required of me, required of you, required of us that follow Jesus, that they be found faithful. It's vitally important. It's all throughout scripture. It's one of the biggest differences between King David and King Saul. That even when David falls short, falls short, he repents. He, he, writes psalm, he writes the psalm. He says, Lord, forgive me. Blot out my transgressions. There's a faithful heart. But it's not just enough to know that it's important. How do we live out that life? How do we live out a life of faithfulness? There's a poem that says, one step won't take you very far. You've got to keep walking. One word won't tell folks who you are you've got to keep talking. One inch won't make you very tall. You've got to keep growing. One deed won't do it all. You've got to keep going. Faithfulness is keep going. 
It's in the great words of the great theologian, Joe Dirt, you got to keep on keeping on, right? It's you got to keep on, keep going, even when you don't feel like it, even when you've hit that wall, even when you're tired, even when you're worn out, even when you feel like you've been going all day, all week, all month, all year, and you've seen no progress, you got to keep on going. You got to keep on. And I think I want to I unpack three things that we need to keep on doing. We need to keep on doing. And when we do these three things, it, it takes us into walking in faithfulness. The first one is we have to keep on trusting God's placement. Trusting God's placement. If you take a notes, that's point number one. We go back and we look at David's life. What was week one that we talked about? David is in the field. He's taking care of sheep. He's not important. He has, does, he's not a warrior. He's not with his brothers off at war. He's in the dad's field. The, 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 um, Samuel comes to anoint the king, and the dad forgets that David's even there. He forgets that David's even one of his sons. But David is in the field, faithfully worshiping God, faithfully teaching himself to play the guitar. It's not really a guitar, but you're with me, right? He's faithfully remaining, worshiping God. He gets anointed to be king, and he goes back out to the field, right? And you had to have been thinking, Lord, why have you put me here? Why have you put me in this family where they don't even remember me? Why have you anointed me as king, brought me back out to this field? <coughs> what is the point? How many times have you been in a place in your life and you thought, why am I at this job? Why am I going through this struggle? Why am I a part of this family? Why has God put me there? Listen, God has this grand plan. He knows what's going on. He, he has a future for you. But we have to be faithful and trusting his placement with where we are. When David is in that field, it's where he learns how to use the sling. It's where he learns how to hunt bears and lions so that later on when he faces Goliath, he's able to use that sling and defeat Goliath. If it weren't for his placement in the field, he doesn't defeat Goliath. Do you see that? A lot of times you get in a place and you question God, why am I here? But he's molding you. He's training you. He's teaching you. He's developing you. Stay faithful and trusting God's placement for your life. Second point is this, trust God's plan. You have to keep on trusting God's plan for your life. David is anointed to be king. He goes out to the fields. He thinks, what's next? Have you ever thought, what is God doing in my life? Before Lauren and I uh, moved down here to start Revive, we were youth pastors in South Carolina. And, and we felt like God was saying, hey, it's time for you to step out of youth ministry. And I was like, okay, but then what am I doing? And God was like, wait and see. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, I don't want to do that. Cool though, thanks, right? But it, it became very apparent that that was God's plan for us. So, so we stepped out of youth ministry, not knowing where to go, what to do, not knowing that we would be moving to Georgia. And in that moment, our, our pastor was graceful enough to let, let us stay there, to continue going to that church. We, we, there was a new youth pastor that was hired. And a lot of times if the new youth pastor takes over and the old one's still there, there's a lot of beef, right? But there was none of that. God was gracious in all of that. And we were just waiting on God saying, you told us to leave but, or you told us to step out, but I know you've called me to ministry. What is next? And we think, what is God's plan? And it's through trusting him in that moment, trusting God's plan for my life, that he began to stir the hearts of Lauren and I and, and, and stir the hearts of, of several people saying, you know, it's time to move to Georgia and plant a church. And, and all that we have here, all that is now is started because in that moment, we trusted God even when it didn't make sense. 
there's a, a New York firefighter named Timothy Stackpole, and he was severely burned in a fire in 1998. The, the repercussions of that, he was actually uh, awarded a settlement. He got lots of money, and at that point, he could have retired and lived comfortably for the rest of his life. But he knew, and I haven't talked to him, but when I re- read this story and read the evidence of his life, it appears that he knew that working as a firefighter was not something he did to make ends meet. It was not something he did because it was uh, just something so that he could pay the bills. But it was a passion and it was a calling on his life. So even though doctors and friends and family members told him he should just retire, live comfortably, hang up his hat, he went back to the force and continue fighting fires, continue leading people. He eventually moved up and became a captain of the, the fire department there. And, and there came a point where he was called on to run into the World Trade Center. And you know what happened there. It collapsed while he was still in the building. He passed away. But he passed away pursuing a calling, faithful to God's plan for his life, not counting the costs, not worrying about what would happen to him, but saying, God's called me to this. This is the calling on my life, and I'm going to pursue it. Now, if you're thinking about it, the, the plan was never for him to, to, to die in the World Train Center. The plan was for him to come out successfully. So if you're defining what that moment is, then you would say he wasn't successful, right? But God's calling on our life. Mother Teresa said it this way. It was a quote on the screen earlier. We are called to be faithful, not successful. We are called to be faithful, not successful. Do you realize the weight that that can relieve from your shoulders when you know that you don't have to go out and you don't have to fit everybody else's standard? You don't have to live up to what they say you have to do. But when you remain faithful to God and you're trusting in him and you're chasing after him and you're pursuing him, that in that moment, remaining faithful carries you into the calling that you've been called to. And that is the definition of success. When you are living out a faithful life in Christ, it doesn't matter how many people you've influenced. It doesn't matter how awesome you are. It doesn't matter what people think of you. You are successful because you are faithful to God. And that's the calling. That's trusting in God's plan. That's knowing that no matter what happens in the future, I'm gonna live my life daily pursuing God and remaining faithful and trusting in his plan. The third thing is this. If we're gonna keep on going, We have to keep on trusting God's placement in our life, keep on trusting God's plan in our life, and keep on trusting God's power in our life. David faced lions, bears, a giant. He led armies into battle. He went into battle against uh, against enemy armies that should have crushed him, but he remained faithful to God and leaned on God's power. In those moments, you see stories of of people becoming confused, armies turning on themselves and Jesus and God fighting for David. Even though, even though David didn't have the ability, even though he couldn't fit in Saul's armor and he went out with a sling instead of a sword, even though he didn't have the power to wrestle Goliath to the ground, even though he didn't have the battle, the power for hand-to-hand combat, he leaned on God's power and God's power allowed him to persevere, allowed him to take down the lion, the bear, the giant, the armies. When we trust in God's power, we see him do miraculous things through our life. This is one that that really hit me strong when, when studying this and unpacking this because there's so many people that have missed out on God's calling on their life because they were so focused on their own inability to accomplish it. They say, God can't be calling me to that because I'm I'm not eloquent enough. I'm not, I don't know enough. 
I'm too young. I'm too old. I've been through too much. I've done too many evil things. God can't use me. And they always look at their own inability versus God's power in their life. Jesus said it like this, without me, you can do nothing. Paul said it like this, with Christ, I can do all things. You see the contrast? Yeah, in your own ability, in your own brokenness, in your own flawed heart, you can't do it. But God has called you to it, and he has empowered you to do it. Faithfulness always trumps giftedness. If you're taking notes, write that down. Faithfulness always trumps giftedness. We used to play this card game in, in high school, and, and it was you, you had a trump card, right? Like spades might be a, a better illustration, right? So you have spades, and, and if you lay down the spade, it's the trump card. It wins, unless somebody has a bigger spade, right? And so, so the trump card overcomes everything. Faithfulness overcomes giftedness. Faithfulness always trumps giftedness. You don't believe me? Turn to Exodus 32. In Exodus 32, we, most of us, if you've been in the church, you've heard the story of, of Moses, right? You know that Moses, is, he encounters the burning bush, and, and God calls him, and Moses is like, man, I've got a stutter. I'm not good at talking. I can't do this. And, he says, and God says, no, I, I created your tongue. I think I know what you can do and can't do, right? Moses says, yeah, but look at my past. I murdered a man, and I'm on the run. Like, look at what I've done. And God says, I know what you've done. I also know what you will do. And God's calling Moses, calling Moses to lead the people, calling Moses to be the leader of God's people. And Moses keeps throwing up all these reasons why he can't do it, all these reasons why he's not gifted enough, all these reasons why he he can't accomplish God's calling on his life. And God is like, no, you're faithful. You're faithful, and that's what makes you called. That's what makes you worth being my leader for my people. And Moses is very persistent. You can go back and you read the story. It's almost like in God's anger, he, he relents, right? In God's anger, he's like, okay, well then your brother, your brother uh, Seth, no, wow, just lost my, went blank. Aaron, Aaron, okay, it's Aaron. <laughs> your brother Aaron, he can come and he'll speak on your behalf. He'll be like your sidekick, right? And Aaron was gifted, but Aaron wasn't faithful. If you go to Exodus chapter 32, I'm going to start out with verse 1. It says, When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come make us gods who will go before us. As for, the, as for this fellow Moses, the one who led us, the one who we saw the ocean stand up as walls and we walked across dry ground, that Moses, he's been up on the mountain for too long and we think he's forgot about us, right? So we're going to leave Moses behind, Aaron. We want you to make us some different gods, right? We want you to make us some different gods for, for this fellow of Moses who brought us up out of Egypt. We don't know what has happened to him. And Aaron answered like this. He says, take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. Okay, so Aaron was a great fundraiser, right? He gets all this gold, all this money. He gets the people to donate it. He says, so all the people took off their earrings. They brought them to Aaron. He took them. When they handed him and he made it into an idol and cast it in the shape of a calf. Okay, so he's good at fundraising and he's also good at arts and crafts, right? He's now took this gold and he's made a calf out of it. You see all this giftedness in Aaron. He says he took with it, made it into a calf. Then they said, these are our gods of Israel who brought us up out of Egypt. So Aaron, is sit, he doesn't stutter. He just stands up. He proclaims, these are the gods that you need to worship. This calf, this golden calf that came from the money that I raised from you, that I turned into this, this is now your God. Worship it. So Aaron and all of his giftedness leads the people astray. 
Aaron in all of his ability and all of his own power leads the people astray. Moses and his humble faithfulness to God is able to lead the people in God's plan. It's the faithfulness that takes people to their calling, not the giftedness. Now, if God's called you to it, he will give you the power. He will equip you. He will gift you. It all comes from the Holy Spirit through us. But you have to understand that it's faithfulness that gets us there, not our own ability, not our own strengths, not our own power. And when we become faithful, when we are faithful to God, no matter what's going on, we see his kingdom advanced. We see people's lives changed. We see healing. We see marriages restored. We see families brought together. We see uh, people find fulfillment in their work, fulfillment in life. We see people who are broken, mended. We see people who are depressed, filled with darkness, find light and joy in Jesus. When we are faithful to God, he uses us and we see his plan unfold. There's a, there's a story of the, one of the kind of the, the Wesleyan background, if you want to think about this. There was a time when there was a, a guy that felt like God's calling on his life was to take the church and the freedom of slaves below the Mason-Dixon line. And so in October of 1847, Adam Crook said, you know what? I'm going to take this church to Snow Camp, North Carolina, and I'm going to use it and I'm gonna call for the immediate end of slavery. You understand? And that time to say, I want slavery to end now, even in the North was radical. But in the South, it made you a target. And they would have church and they'd walk up to the building and there'd be bullet holes in the door. But they would walk through those bullet holes, walk through that bullet hole filled door and worship God and proclaim the fact that God is for all people, even the slaves that one of the, one of the uh, lay people was actually hung on a tree and left for dead, miraculously didn't die, right? They were targets, they received threats, they were shot at, but they were faithful to worship God. They were faithful to do God's calling on their life. The, the church actually became one of the stops in the middle of the day for the Underground Railroad. They had this hollow tree. And so slaves would actually hide in this tree before they could make it to the, safe, the next safe house overnight. And they were doing this, they, were see, they saw countless slaves find freedom because they were faithful to God's call in their life, even when they were being persecuted, even when they were being shot at, even when they were being threatened, even when one of their fellow brothers was hanging from a tree, they trusted God's power in their life. They trusted God's placement in their life and they trusted God's plan and God used them to set captives free, literally. That's what happens when we remain faithful. God uses us to set captives free. But the challenging part of all of this, if you're like me, is over and over again, I'm not faithful. Over and over again, God asks me to do things and I feel like I fall short. I feel like I don't accomplish what he's asked me to do. I feel like I act scared or I feel like I don't know. I try to trust in my own power and it leaves you almost hopeless. Okay, God, I'm supposed to be faithful, but I wasn't. If you go to 2 Timothy 2.11, it says, Paul is teaching, he says, here's a trustworthy saying, if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. 
And after that, if you stop there, that's terrifying, right? If we, if we walk away, he walks away from us. But the saying doesn't stop there. It keeps going. It says, if we are faithless, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot disown himself. That is the power of forgiveness. That is the power of God's faithfulness towards us. That even when we are faithless, even when we don't walk like David, even when we don't trust in God's plan or his placement or his power, even at those moments, God is still faithful towards us. God is still saying, my death, the power of the cross, the power of the empty grave doesn't go away because you you said a cuss word by accident. The power of the cross doesn't go away because you accidentally lost your temper towards your kids. The power of the cross doesn't go away because you accidentally slept in and didn't go where God wanted you to go or you, you made a wrong turn or you made a bad decision. God is faithful to forgive, always faithful for to give. The cross's power does not go away when we are faithless that he empowers us to be faithful. He empowers us to live that life. He empowers us to trust in him in all of those ways. So the challenge today is that as we go out, this, go out of these doors, we leave this church, that we would leave this place on fire for him, being faithful to his calling on our life, walking in that, listening and obeying, and knowing that even when we fall short, that we are forgiven, that God's grace is still there for us. And that he, his grace gives us the power to remain faithful. That there's always hope. There's always a way forward. That Jesus Christ died for our sins. That even if we have a bad past, even if we have a history of being faithless, God will always remain faithful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are faithful. Even when we are faithless. I pray that when we're challenged to, to not trust your placement of us. I pray that when we're challenged to not trust your plan or your power for our life, that we won't listen to those negative words. We won't listen to those negative thoughts. We won't listen to the temptation of the devil, Lord, but that we will trust in your power. We'll trust in your plan and your placement, that we will continue to move forward. We will continue fighting for faithfulness, that we wouldn't worry, that we wouldn't fall short, that we wouldn't lose hope that will remain loyal and steadfast, that will stay connected to you through prayer, through the study of your word, through gathering with your people, that even when we don't feel like it, Lord, we will remain faithful. And because of that faithfulness, we will see captives set free. We will see lives changed. We will see people healed. We will see a move of God in our homes, in our community, Lord, in our country, because we're a people that remain faithful to you. Develop in us a faithful heart, oh God. Develop that in us that we can follow after you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.